Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 16. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Last week we were in chapter 15, and we were in heaven. If we were seeing angels dressed in robes of pure white linen, you know that, and in their hands they had seven vials full of the wrath of God, ready to be poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world. While the ushers are running around with Bibles, if you need one, raise your hand. Of course you need a Bible if you forgot yours today. And so in their hands, they, they have these, uh, these angels, they, they come forth from the throne room of God, from the temple of God, and they've got these bowls, some of your Bibles say vials, and in the bowl and in the vial is the wrath of God, and they come forward in these pure white linen gowns, and they are ready, it is time to pour out these vials upon a Christ-rejecting, sinful world. Now, there are those who have said, who believe, that the book of Revelation is a difficult book to understand. You know, if you've been here, the divine outline. Where is it? Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. Now, we're not going to go into that this morning. Yeah, see, some of you are, yay! We got it, Rodney, we got it, man. I'm glad you have it. That Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, it's important that you have it because it's a three-section outline. And over the last several months, we have been in that third and final section known as the Great Tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble. We're in the middle of the tribulation, and the church is safely tucked away in heaven. Oh, you know, in chapter 4, the church is raptured. We're in heaven. In chapter 5, Jesus stands to take the title deed to the planet Earth, which brings us to chapter 6 through chapter 19, is the great tribulation. During the tribulation period, there are three sets or three series of seven judgments. We've talked about this. The first series are the seven seal judgments there in chapter six. The scroll was opened, the seal was broken, and each time a seal was opened, it released judgment on the earth. And then the second series of seven judgments are the seven trumpet judgments. We find that in chapter eight. With the blast of each trumpet, the Lord is intervening. The trees are burned, There's havoc and chaos on the earth. The star is falling. The stars are falling. Woe to the inhabitants on the earth there in chapter 8. 
Things are happening. The earth is affected in chapter 8. And then in chapter 16, we come to the toughest the roughest, the meanest, the most brutal of all the judgments, the third series, which we'll look at this morning, are the seven bowl or the seven vile judgments. These are the worst of the worst. Now this morning, I wish I could stand and say that I have for you a very feel-good sermon, something that's going to make you excited, something that's going to make you feel good and something encouraging and something you're going to walk out of here feeling more victorious in the Lord. I, I wish that I could, could, could tell you that that's what our sermon is about this morning, but, but it isn't. It isn't. Chapter 16 is sad. Chapter 16, as I said, is brutal. The toughest and the roughest and the most brutal of all the judgments in the book of Revelation. Now, you might want to say that Revelation chapter 16 is a great chapter. It describes great tools of judgment, great heat, great river dried up, a great earthquake, great plagues, and great hail. It describes great evil, a great city, and great Babylon. And it describes a great God, his great voice, its loud and his great day of victory. In the end, Jesus Christ is victorious. Amen? So this morning, we come to Revelation chapter 16. We look at the seven bowls or the seven vile judgments. Revelation 16, beginning in verse 1. If you're there, say a hearty amen. amen. And then I, John, said, Pastor John, remember John's a pastor. Keep in mind. John's a pastor. He's on the island of Patmos. And as a pastor, remember the Christians. This is important. This is very important, by the way, because as you study the, the prophecies, sometimes it's easy to get kind of caught up in the prophecies and get caught up in the judgments, and you're like, whoa, 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 look at that. Look how accurate God's word is. The, the tendency is to kind of get caught up in the moment. But let's understand that this letter is written from the heart of a pastor. And Pastor John is writing to Christians who are being oppressed under the throne of Rome. That's why in chapter 4, the first thing John sees when he gets to heaven is what? A throne that's set in heaven. And so John is writing these Christians to encourage them that although nutty, nutso Nero is oppressing them, there's a throne set in heaven. Don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. Because in the end, Jesus Christ will be victorious. He will rule and reign. His kingdom is above all kingdoms. So that's why John now, here on the island of Patmos, he's having this vision. Then I heard, I, John, heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. And so the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had, note this, taken the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. Now, stop right there, give me your attention. Notice John says, I heard a loud voice. 
a great voice from the temple, probably God's voice. And the voice from the temple said, go your way and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel is dispatched and he goes out. And the first vial that is poured out are grievous, foul, loathsome sores that come upon the people who have taken the mark of the beast. Now you might remember chapter 13, we talked quite a bit about the mark of the beast. This is a time in which the Antichrist will cause everyone who is on the earth to take the mark of the beast, his mark, where? In their right hand and in their forehead. If you should happen to be here during the tribulation, I hope you're not. But should you be here, don't take the mark. And you'll find out why later. But the Antichrist will cause all to take the mark of the beast in their right hand and in their forehead. Now, the very fact that the Antichrist has men, people on the planet, humans, take the mark in their right hand and in their forehead, just the location of the mark itself, stay with me, just the location of the mark itself is a blasphemy and a mockery to God. How so, Rodney? Well, you probably know the rabbis, the Jewish rabbis. They used to wear, and even still do today, by the way, in Israel today, they wear what is known as a phylactery. A phylactery is a little leather box with seven straps around it. And inside the leather box with the little straps around it is a verse that says, the Lord our God is one God. And this is a, a verse that is repeated over and over in the minds of Jewish people. As a mother would be carrying her baby in her stomach and she'd be rocking the baby and she'd rock back and forth and rub her stomach and say to her child, the Lord our God is one God. The Lord our God is one God. The Lord our God is one God. And then she would deliver her baby and take her baby and put her baby upon, upon the breast and she would feed her child and whisper in his ear, the Lord our God is one God. The Lord our God is one God. So inside the phylactery, this leather box, this verse is the Lord our God is one God. Guess where they would place the phylactery? On their right hand and on their forehead. And this is what they do today. And they stand at the Western Wall and they pray to the, to the Western Wall because they believe from Daniel chapter two that the Shekinah glory of God dwells behind the wall, even today. And that's why they're there today. And they're standing there and they're praying with the phylacteries on their head and, and they pray. And inside is the verse, the Lord our God is one God. The Antichrist causes all men and all people to take the mark of the beast in the very location that, if you will, mocks God and God's people and the act of worship from God's people. And then in chapter 14, you know the angel, the third angel is flying through the midst of heaven and flying all over the earth and telling the people, the earth dwellers on the earth, don't take the mark of the beast. 
Don't take the mark. The angel is saying to the people on the earth, don't take the mark of the beast. And the people, he, he says, because if you do, then, then God's wrath and the cup of his indignation shall be poured out on you if you take the mark and you will be tormented in fire and brimstone forever. This angel is telling people on the earth during the tribulation that this is what will happen if they take the mark. And guess what? People take the mark. People take the mark. They receive the mark. They don't listen. And let's just face it. I mean, during the tribulation, it will seem wise to take the mark. It'll seem logical to take the mark. It will seem technologically sophisticated to take the mark. I mean, think about it. Remember, without the mark, you can't buy or sell. You can't buy food. You can't sell your house. You can't buy a car. You can't do anything. You can't participate in the economy. So it's going to seem like a wise thing. I mean, think about it. And, you, know, you know, why bother with credit cards? Why bother with cash? Why bother with checks? I mean, credit cards, they can be lost. Cash can be lost or stolen. Checks can be forged. So why bother with these things? It will make sense to take the mark and follow the plan of the Antichrist and those who buy into his system and those who buy into his plan and take the mark will think they are doing the right thing, but they will be afflicted with cancerous sores, foul and loathsome sores will come upon them by this first angel that pours out this first vial. And it's possible Get this, many scholars believe it is possible that these cancerous sores will be at the place of the mark on their right hand and on their foreheads. Very, very interesting. Now, I want you to notice something here. As a matter of fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Write this down. The system brings about its own pain. The system brings about its own pain. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, notice here, the thing, here in our text, during the tribulation period, the thing that seemed to be right, the thing that seemed to be the logical thing to do is the very thing that results in great pain. In other words, their sin, the sin of taking the mark, is the very thing that results in their pain. You see, isn't this a biblical principle? Sin will always result in pain. Amen? It's true. Well, not only pain, but the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Sin always results in pain. Sin always results in death. That's the way sin is. When we disobey God in any area, whether it be in relationships, you're unequally yoked with an unbeliever, whether it be in business, you yoke up with a person who's not a Christian. How often has that happened? This guy's not a Christian. You know it's not going to work. You guys are walking on two totally different paths. But hey, now, you know, there's a lot of money to be made. I mean, we can make a lot of money. We can do a lot of good. And of course, God, I mean, this has got to work. God, you know, I could tithe more if I yoked up with this guy. 
Sure. Oh, God, you know, I can give you, I can give to you. I mean, if, if, if you just allow me to enter into this sinful situation, I mean, God, you know, I can do more for you, God, of course. And it doesn't work out. Sin always brings great pain. When we disobey God, when we disobey God, it always results in conflict and pain. And the thing that you thought was going to brighten up your life winds up burning your life. You see, that's why God tells us not to get involved in sin. God's not like a mean God who, who doesn't want us to have any fun. And so he says, I don't want you doing any sinful things because I don't want you having any fun. God wants us to be happy. God wants us to have fun. But the reason why God tells us not to get involved in sin, because God knows what sin will do to you. The sin that you get involved in will only bring you pain. And God loves you too much to, 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 to see you walk right into pain. And so he says, don't get involved in sin because it's going to just bring on you pain. He told Jeremiah the prophet to tell the people in chapter 2, verse 17, have you not brought this on yourself, God says? In that notice, you have forsaken the Lord your God. Your own wickedness will correct you. You see, that's what's happening here in 16, chapter 16. Their own wickedness by taking the mark is the very thing that is going to correct them. And your backsliding will rebuke you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God. And the fear of me is not in you, says the Lord God of hosts. You see, God says the reason you have so many problems and pains and difficulties is because of your own sin and your own backsliding has done this to you. God says it's not me punishing you and, and busting your chops. It's your own ramifications. It's the ramifications of your own sin. Sin always brings about pain. We've got tons of Old Testament illustrations and examples of what happens when we ignore God's word and do what we think is right. Samson and Delilah, you know the story. Lot with Sodom. Eve and the forbidden fruit. Abraham. As he went down into Egypt, there are consequences to our sin. The Bible says, you reap what you sow. Now, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, the Bible says when we sin, we come to the Lord and we confess our sin. And the Bible says if you will just simply confess your sin. See, the problem with people is that they don't want to confess their sin. The word confess means to say the same thing. Say the same thing about what? Say the same thing about your sin that God says. What does God say? God says your sin is filthy, it's dirty, it's ugly, it's wrong, and you should stop. Yeah, just, just stop. And, and confess your sin. And the Bible says that if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just, not only faithful, but he is just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So if you're a Christian, you can be forgiven. And you are forgiven. And what a joy it is to be forgiven. What a joy. Just to walk in the freedom and not the burden of guilt, but just the freedom of, I'm forgiven. Praise the Lord. Now, 
Those here in Revelation chapter 16, those who take the mark conversely, they cannot be forgiven. Forgiveness is no longer possible, and the very mark that they took is causing them painful sores. Notice that. Man, the system brings about its own pain, great pain. Well, notice the next two angels pour out their bowls, and we see the earth's water supplies are infected. The water is turned to blood. Notice with me in the second and third bowl in verse 3. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as. Very important small word. It became blood as of a dead man. And every living creature in the sea died. Well, then in verse four, the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Notice that. Now, I know that you're all good Bible students, and by now, most certainly, you can clearly see that the second and the third vial judgment directly correlate with the judgments that came upon Egypt. And the Pharaoh, you know, the first plague on Egypt, the water was turned to blood. The fish died and the river stank and the Egyptians couldn't drink the water. Then you remember the Red Sea parted and Pharaoh and his army died in the Red Sea. And when the second vial is poured out, every living thing in the sea died. And the third vial turns the inland waters, that would be the rivers and the fountains, to blood. Now this is interesting. Last night, Billy, grab me a tissue, would you please? This cold's kind of, my antibiotics are working. Let's say that. Praise the Lord. Last night, I was doing some research here. I, I found this to be pretty fascinating. There is a phenomenon known as, and some of you probably know this, a phenomenon known as red tide. Had you heard of it? Red tide. And, and scientists, they have observed this red tide in the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico. Red tides are caused by the explosive growth and accumulation of certain microscopic algae, predominantly dinoflagets or dinogelates or something like that. Some species of dinoflagets produce toxins that are poisonous to men. Given the right conditions and left unchecked, they destroy all life in water and cause the water to turn red in color, like blood. These microorganisms also eat up the oxygen supply in the water and brings death to every living creature in the sea. Very interesting, red tide. Now, it is possible, very possible, that this is what is happening when the second vial is poured out. Notice the sea doesn't become blood, but it becomes blood as or like a dead man. Notice the third vial, the springs and the waters become blood. They actually become blood. They turn red and it stinks and it is horrible. Now we know that three-fourths of the earth's surface is covered in water. So this is devastating. And later on we're going to see the sun scorches men. 
And you know how it is when the sun is hot like today. You stand out there long enough. It's supposed to be 100 degrees today. You stand out there long enough. What are you going to want to drink? Water. But there will be no water. So this is an awful, awful time. Now, go home today, pick up your globe, and everything that you see blue will be red during the tribulation. All the fish life is going to die, which will affect the food supply. After the first three bowls are poured out, note this. The angels over the waters, they break forth in praise. Notice in verse 5 through 7, and I heard... The angel of the waters, underline that. The angels that are assigned of the waters, over the waters. And they're saying, you are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be. Because you have judged these things. Because they have shed, this is why God is righteous. Because they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets. And you have given them blood to drink for it is their just due or reward. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.